0: Dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Would you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. You don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. But I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. You better come home. I'm going to get you home. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. And then as a medic. Did not carry a gun in World War II, did not ever fire a bullet, and yet he performed an incredible service for our country and for the military. Now the question is, why would he do something like that? And it basically came down to this. He said that he wanted to live his life in such a way that he would be a blessing to others. And I thought, man, what an incredible story. What, what a great example of what it means, really, even to be a Christian. You know, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for those of us who are part of the church, our mission, our desire, our goal as a church should be able to live our lives in such a way that we are going to be a blessing to others. And that's really what it's all about. And, and if you watch Hacksaw Ridge... Um, other than the part when everybody dies at the end. I'm just kidding if you've not seen it. But whenever you watch that movie, what you're going to discover as you watch that movie, as this is a guy, if he was going to live a life to be a blessing to others, he was going to have to sacrifice. He's going to have to give some things up in order to be a blessing. Now here's the deal for us as believers and as a church. If we are going to be a blessing to others and we're going to impact the lives of other people and we're going to follow Jesus it will require sacrifice it will require sacrifice on our part and so that's what we're gonna look at today in our passage of Scripture and so if you have your Bible we're gonna look in Romans chapter 12 and we're just gonna look at two verses today Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 now before we get there uh, if you read the first 11 chapters of Romans it's kinda interesting When you go through the first 11 chapters of Romans, it tells us what God does for us. It tells us all the things that he's going to do for us, how he's going to bless us. But then when you get into Romans chapter 12, everything begins to change. It begins to talk about what we will do for God, what we will do for other people. And and that's really, in a lot of ways, that's contrary to to what most people think about about a relationship with God, about their relationship even with the church. A lot of times whenever we think about God, whenever we think about the church, we think in this way. What is it that I'm going to get from God? What is it that I'm going to receive from the church? But Paul says, listen, it's not about what you're going to get he says, "It's about what you are going to give. If we're going to make a difference, if we are going to impact the lives of other people, then it is going to require us to be a people who are not looking to receive, but a people who are looking to give. And if we're going to give, then the question is, what do I have to give? You know What, what do I have to give in order to live a life of sacrifice? And I just want to point out to you a few things that our text shares with us that we are to give, that we are specifically to give to God. So if we're going to live lives of impact, if we're going to live lives of sacrifice, it starts with this. You give God your body. You give Him your body. Like, What does that mean? Well, hopefully I'll be able to explain it a little bit. So look in verse number 1. It says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Now, this is, this is an interesting passage of Scripture because during this time, Greek philosophers, and they, they were around during this time, they said that the body is inherently evil. Because you know, it's, just, it's physical, uh, it's, it's something that is temporary, but what is, what is lasting, what has eternity, is your soul. Now, I think most of us we would agree with that. One, obviously, the body is temporary. I mean, you're here for a little while, and then you die, and your body's over. Then we believe that when we die, that at, at the very beginning, that our spirit goes to be with the Lord. So we, I think we have that concept and understanding. But where they were different, the Greek philosophers, is they said, well, because the body is inherently evil, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. You can use it in any way that you want to. And so a lot of people said, well, it doesn't matter. My, my spirit is what's eternal. So since this body is temporary, I'm going to use this body in order to have a lot of fun. And so what that, what, what that meant is that it led to a very perverted view of life. Now, we all agree the body is temporary, but that we're not to use our body in that way. As you read through the Bible, you'll see God gave you a body, gave me a body, in order to use that body to serve Him. As a matter of fact, we are told that when we come into a relationship with Jesus, that God, the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell within us. So if I know that that God is going to come and visit me, then I want to make sure that my body's clean. Now, think about it like this. Whenever you have company that comes to your house, what what is one thing that you want to do before they get there? If you have children especially, you know, you want them to go in there and clean up their room. I have a daughter. She's not, she came to the first service. Y'all, she is unbelievable. Now, I love, I love my daughter to death. We... We jihaha real well. And so it's just a lot of fun. We know how to pick on her mom together. It's just, it's a blast. Okay, but here's the thing about Jane she is the messiest kid in the world. So when we know people are coming over, we're like, okay, let's go ahead and bring in the bobcat so we can shove all that junk into your closet. We want it to look presentable. Otherwise, you're going to think we are horrible parents. And so we want to be clean before you come. Okay, if the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, you, you know how you want your life to be? You want it to be clean. You, you want it to, to look good because you want God to have a welcoming presence in your life. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, that sounds real good, doesn't it? But, but it's hard to do. Now, here's one thing I, I have discovered. It is very easy for me to trust God with heaven. To say, God, I'm going to trust you with that. I'm trusting that when I die, I'm going to go and I'm going to be with you forever. So I can trust God with heaven, with my eternity. But isn't it interesting that I struggle trusting him with the here and now? Because that's something, you know, heaven seems so far away. Now, I know, I'm getting older. I know it's not. But it seems so far away. But trusting him in the here and now is hard to do because I think, well, this is stuff that affects me right now, Lord. And so I've I got a handle on things here because I'm here. But it's difficult for me to let go of some of these things here instead of my entire future. Now, the question is, what am I going to do? Well, if I'm going to live in a way that is going to be a blessing to others, I don't just surrender my future to God. I surrender my here and now to Him as well. And that's why we are told in our Scripture that we are to offer up our bodies in the here and now as a living sacrifice. Now, the, term, the terminology of, of sacrifice, it's, it's something that you see all throughout the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, in order to appease God for their sins, the people would bring in animals to the, to the temple and they would, they would sacrifice those animals to God. Now, you might have noticed at Village Church, that we don't do that. Have y'all noticed that? We we do it on Saturday nights. Now I'm kidding. We don't do it at all. Now now there's a reason why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. You know why? It's because Jesus came and He was our once for all sacrifice that covers our sins for all time. Hebrews seven twenty seven says, unlike the other high priest, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for His own sins and then for the sins of the other people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself up. Now, Jesus gave his life up for us. We we celebrate this every, every Easter. He gave himself up as a sacrifice. He placed himself in our place, and he went to a cross as a sacrifice, and he died. But then three days later, he got up. Now, Jesus says, I, I'm not going to call you to be a dead sacrifice. Jesus lets us know through Paul in verse number one, he desires for us to be a living sacrifice. That means as we live in the here and now, if we are going to be a blessing to others, he says, I want you to sacrifice your desires, your dreams, your thoughts, your wants to God. And you might say, well, man, that sounds like I have to just, you know, say I'm living a life of misery. Let me tell you something. What God wants for you is much bigger and better than you even want for yourself. And so Jesus says, you give up your body and your desires to me and you will win. You'll be victorious. Now That doesn't make sense to us. I mean, when's, have you ever heard a coach inspire anybody by saying, guys, if we're going to win this game, you've got to quit? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know, if you're going to have victory, you give up. Now, that doesn't make sense from the human perspective, but that is exactly what God tells us for victory in life to be a blessing to others. You give up your body to Him, and it's then you will see victory. Now, uh, there's a Christian author named Bruce Larson. He used to be a counselor, and he had his office in New York City he said whenever people would come into his office and they would talk to him about, about some things they needed to give up, but they're struggling to do it, they kept hanging on to it, he said, I would, I would go for a walk with them. And he said, my office was near the RCA building. And he said, we'd get up, and he said, He'd say, come with me. And so they'd walk to the RCA building, and he said, out in front of the RCA building is a huge statue of Atlas. You all know Atlas? Okay, he said this huge, he said this chiseled guy, he said huge thighs, big arms, big chest, and on his back he's got the world. And he said he's this big guy and he's just straining under the weight of the world. And Larson said he would tell his patients, he said, now if you want to, you can choose to live like that, where you're going to carry the world yourself. He He said, you're not Atlas. He said, and if you carry the weight of the world and you try to handle it all by yourself, he's just going to crush you. He said, now you can choose to live like that. He said, now follow me. So then they walk across the street. And he said, across the street was St. Patrick's Cathedral. So they'd walk into the church, and he said, up near the front, he said, there's a statue of Jesus. He said, he's probably supposed to be like eight or nine years old. He says, little boy, and he said, in his right hand, he's holding the world. He said, or you can choose to live like that. Where you give up your world and you say, Jesus, you take my world. You take my life, you take my body, I will give it to you. And he said, and Jesus will hold it in his hand and you will be able to live in freedom. He will carry the weight of life for you when you give up your life. So, listen, if, if we're going to live a life of sacrifice, we're going to be a blessing to others, it begins with giving up your body to God. But then it also requires this to give God your mind. So, you give God your body. You give God your mind, you sacrifice your mind even to God. It says in verse number 2, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, I believe one of the greatest obstacles that we all have in our lives is this. It's to try not to blend in with the rest of the world. Our natural desire is to fit in. Our natural desire is not to stand out. You know, whenever you stand out from the crowd, you draw attention to yourself. And so are like, I don't want to do that. I don't want people to think I'm weird. I want to, I want to fit in with what everybody else in the world is doing. And then so that, that sounds good to me. I mean, it makes sense to me. But then I see what Paul says. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. That word conform, it very simply means blend in. It says no longer conform to the patterns of this world. You might say, what's wrong with the patterns of this world? I mean, is there th- anything wrong with the stuff of this world? Well, the stuff of this world is being ruled right now by the devil. And, and let me tell you something. The devil does not have your best interest in mind. The devil, wants to, he wants to destroy us. He wants us to keep us away from the things of God. John 10.10 10 says the thief, speaking of the devil, you know what he comes to do? To steal, kill and to destroy you see satan wants to control your mind control your desires so that you won't be led and affected by the teachings of christ but jesus calls calls us to the exact opposite jesus does not call you to blend in jesus calls you to stand out and to be a light matthew 5 14 through 16 when jesus preached the famous sermon on the mount he said you are the light of the world A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, we we all know the song. That's why we do Vacation Bible School. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Now, how do we let our light shine for Jesus in this world. You know, what, what are some of the things that we do? How do we keep from blending in with the rest of the world? We give God our mind. Say, God, there's some things that I, that I like to watch. There are some things that are appealing to me. But man, they, they're not the best things in the world for me. Say, so, God, I'm going to give you my mind. I'm, I'm not going to go there. Lord, I'm going to give you my mind. And the world is constantly after your mind. Now I'm not, you know, I'm not a you know paranoid you know, paranoid guy, I'm not a, a conspiracy theorist, but I, I am I think I'm fairly pragmatic. Why do you think advertisers spend billions and billions of dollars every year on advertising? For fun? Why do you think they do it? It works. There's some of you who are just like me, suckers. For commercials. Uh, I told uh, First Service Today, there's the new, I can't remember the name of it right now, but there's, that, there's a pan four inches tall on each side. Y'all seen it square? Nothing sticks to the bottom of it. Four loaves of bread, put it in there. So, oh my gosh. I mean, I watched that commercial, I think, Emily, you got to get that. You can make us four loaves of bread at a time. This will be great. We'll weigh 900 pounds before the year's up. So I get excited about stuff like that. I mean, the no stick thing just blows me away. I mean, you said, have y'all seen that? When they turn it over and the eggs slide right out? I mean, unreal. And I'm like, we got to have. Now, why do they make those commercials? Because of me. I mean, I watch those things like, we got to have that. 19 4 payments. And so I'm all over that stuff. So the, that's why advertising, that's why they do advertising, because it works on your mind. Why, why do you think music and movies are so powerful? Because it affects the way that we think. That's why I like movies like Hacksaw Ridge. So, you know, a positive message. You listen to some of the music that we have, and I, I sound like my grandfather. I, you know, I never, I listen to great music. I remember whenever Def Leppard, now, I mean, you, know, you sit there and you just go through all these, you know, all these things about how great, you know, music is. But yet music's powerful, but and let me tell you something, it transforms your life. It changes lifestyles. And then we wonder, what's going on with the world? Let me tell you, I'll tell you what's going on with the world. The world's winning the battle of the mind. And not not enough Christians are sacrificing what they're putting into their minds in order to be a blessing to the people around them. Verse number 2 again, look at it. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. You know what the word transformed means? In the Greek language, it is the word metamorphosis. Now, if you know anything about metamorph, the first thing I think of is I, I think of a caterpillar going through a change and it becomes a butterfly. Okay, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, if I take on the mind of Christ, what happens to me is I move from being a worm into something that is beautiful. I move... And and for my thoughts being here at the base level, when I surrender my mind to God and I fill up my mind with the things of God, my level goes up here. This is why David said, King David wrote in Psalm 119, thy word, the word of God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, if your mind is controlled by Jesus, you're going to have a completely different destination than if your mind is controlled by the things of this world. Now, there's some stuff in this world that's, that's fine. It's not, it's not that necessarily everything in the world is evil. But, you know, the, the things of this world, because it's not under the control of Jesus, it, it, just, it can be off just a little bit, and it has a totally different destination than if your mind is controlled by the things of God. Let me give you an example. Back in 1983, there was Cor- a Korean uh, flight, 007, flew out of Anchorage, Alaska, direct flight to Seoul, South Korea. Now, the navigation system, what they did not know is the navigation system was messed up on that plane. It was messed up by one and a half degrees, very small, not that big of a deal. When they first started flying, it was such a small error that it didn't even register. When they were a hundred miles out flying over the Aleutian Islands, the, the error was so small, they still couldn't pick it up. The pilots didn't pick it up. But as they continued to fly, that small little error got greater and greater. And before long they started flying over Soviet airspace. and What happened because of that is the Soviets scrambled their jets up into the air and they shot that airliner out of the sky killing everybody on board that plane. Now the lesson of that story is pretty simple. Choose your direction well. Choose your direction well. Now there are some poor choices that you can make that might that might just hurt you. They're not really that big of a deal but the longer you let them go the greater the harm that's done. So, so if we're going to be a blessing to others, let it begin here. You, by giving God your body. Say, God, this body, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to be pure, Lord. And you give him your mind. And Jesus, that there's a lot of things in this world that are very attractive to me. But God, I want you to have charge of my mind. Then this is the last thing. It's what sacrifice, if we're going to be a blessing to others, sacrifice is involved. What's the last thing to sacrifice? You give God your will. You give Him the will, your will. Verse number two, do not be conformed in this, to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Almost every person I know, probably the question I'm asked more than any other question is this. What is God's will for my life. Everybody wants to know that. Everybody wants to know, what, what, what does God want me to do? And, and I think there's, you know, there, part of us is like, if I knew what God wanted me to do, if He'd write it down like on a piece of paper or something, then I could, I have a plan. You know, I can, I can say, I can, I can do this, this, and this, and I know that I'm in a, I'm in, I'm following the guidelines that God has for me. I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to end up because I know what God's will is for my life. Now that sounds good. We want to know God's will. Everybody wants, everybody wants to know God's will. But, but here's what's interesting to me. While we want to know God's will, there's a lot of us that had rather live in our will than God's will. And so we're like, I want to know what God's will is. You do? You want to know what God's will is for your life? Yes. Well, if you do, then you need to surrender your will to him first before you find out what his will is for you. I and mean, that means that you say, God... It's not what I want, it's not what I desire, but Lord, it's what you desire. Now, I don't know how many people have gotten to that place yet, but I know this, most of us are still hanging on to what we want more than anything else. You know, God, I want, I want, to, I want to follow you, but I still want to do what I want to do. Let me tell you something, if, that, if that's your attitude, then you're going to have a very difficult time discerning what God's will is for your life. You say, well, then how do I determine God's will? Verse number 2 tells us when we surrender to the leadership of Jesus, then we will be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That word discern, it means to recognize as genuine after examination. Paul is telling us right here, he's saying we're going to be able to discern God's will when we put ourselves under his leadership. Now let me say this, you're going to have a difficult time discerning God's will for your life if you're not spending any time with God. I hear people say all the time, I, I want to know what God's will is for my life. And then I'll talk to them, and I'll, do you spend any time with God? No. You ever take, do you ever read scripture to see what it has to say? No. Do you ever take time to talk to God in prayer before I eat? Do you ever come and worship the Lord on Sundays, occasionally? Let me tell you something. You're going to have a hard time discerning God's will if you don't spend time with Him. I mean, think about it like this. I, 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 you know, Pragmatically, this is how I think about stuff. Okay, so uh, if I want to know my wife well, I want to know what she wants, what she likes. If I want to know what irritates her, I figured that out pretty easy. But if I, if I want to know some things about her, what do you think I have to do in order to know her well? Spend time with her, right? This might surprise you all. I just don't like automatically know that stuff. You know, I, 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 can't, I don't read her mind. Now, she thinks I should sometimes. But I don't read her mind. But if I'm going to know her, I've got to spend time with her. If you're going to know Jesus, you're going to know his will, know his will for your life then you need to start spending time with him. Now, this is an old story. Uh, it's about a, a little ch- a Chinese boy who wanted to learn more about jade. And you might have heard this story before. So he got a teacher. He's like, I want to learn about the qualities of jade. I, I love jade. I want to be a jewelry maker. Would you teach me about jade? And so the teacher said, I'd be glad to do it. So he got a piece of jade. He said, what I want you to do is I'm going to give you this little stone. He said, you put it in your hand. And I want you to hold it tight. As I'm teaching you, I want you just to feel that stone, get to know everything about it. And so he put that stone in the boy's hand. The boy's sitting there, and he's squeezing that thing, and he's rubbing his hand on it. And then the teacher begins to talk about philosophy. He begins to talk about men and women. He begins to talk about politics. And they did this for about an hour and a half, two hours. And the teacher says, that's all. Give me the stone back. He was like, well, that's strange. So he gave it back to him. He said, I'll meet you again tomorrow. And next day, the boy went, and the teacher gave him that stone. He said, hold on to it tight, and hangs on to it. And he's sitting there, and he's feeling every little detail on that stone. The teacher again begins to talk about philosophy, and he goes through all these different things. This goes on for weeks, and he never says anything about jade. And the boy gets frustrated. He's like, I want to learn more about jade. Well, one day came, and the teacher came up to him, and, and he slipped a stone into his hand. And as soon as the boy touched it, he immediately looked up at the teacher and said, that's not jade. And so here's the the lesson. The boy, because he spent so much time with the jade, when something false was put into his hands, he immediately recognized that's not what it was. Guys, that is why I always encourage people, and you want to spend time reading what God's Word has to say. You want to spend time talking to God and, and praying and sharing your thoughts and your desires with Him. You might say, listen, I live in the real world. I mean, i got a job you know, I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a banker or I'm involved in I'm involved in the engineering firm, whatever it might be, whatever job you might have, I'm a teacher. Listen, how is it that reading the Bible How's that going to help me? I'll tell you how it's going to help you. Now you might say, "I don't understand everything in this book, anyway. if you spend time reading this book, as soon as something that is contrary to Scripture comes your way, because you've spent so much time with the real thing you're automatically going to go' going to know, I ain't from God. When somebody says something that sounds good but it's contrary to what this book says, if you've been spending time with God, you're you're going to recognize and say, hey, that's not from the Lord. How do you know that? Because I've spent time with him. And I know what's true and I know what's false. See, the world is trying to push what their version of right is. And there's a lot of people that are living in confusion right now Because they haven't spent time here. And so the stuff they've always thought was right is being challenged. But they don't know why it's right. And so as believers, we know why it's right. It's because of what God teaches and what God has said. Now listen, if we are going to be a people that live lives to be a blessing to others, there, there are some things that we are called to sacrifice what do we call to sacrifice? The body, a mind, or will. You see, as believers, our, our focus, our job, it, it, it's not this. We are not living life to see, as believers, to see what we can get. It's not what life's about. If you follow Jesus, your life is not about what do I get. Your life is about this, and my life is to be about this. What can I give? What can I give? Because, you know, Jesus gave for me, and it has changed my life. It has changed the trajectory of my life, the trajectory of my family. And I want other people to discover the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that I have found. And if I live like that, it makes life a much smoother road instead of being selfish. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Don't you desire your life, the life of the church, to make a difference? I mean, don't you desire? But is, that, is that in you? Where you say, Deep down, I want to make a difference. You can only make a difference through the power of Jesus. You know, my favorite part of the movie, Hacksaw Ridge, is that it's whenever he's, he's on top, I'm not giving anything away, he's on, he's on uh, the, the ridge, his, he's rescuing people. And so he'll run and he'll grab a guy. You know, they all die at the end. But other than that, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's rescuing people and he, he will tie them on this little rope and he lowers them down. And you know, it's unbelievable. And then he goes back and he's laying there, he's resting, and he begins to pray. And he says, God... Give me one more. God, just give me one more person to rescue. He says it over and over. He rescues one, comes back. God, give me one more. And I start thinking, I want us to be like that. I want us to be people who say, God, give us one more. One more person to reach for you. God, give us one more neighborhood that we can invest in. Or we can see lives transformed and changed. God, give us one more. Not, Lord, give me stuff. God, give us one more. That this neighborhood, that this community, that this area will be transformed by the saving grace of Jesus. Because we are living in a world of confusion and hurt pain today and we have Jesus we've been called to live in sacrifice my hope is that your prayer will be the same as mine God give us one more